What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show. Tuesday, March 3rd, 2015. Got a special guest for you today, Brian McGonigal, also known as Rear Admiral. Covers the Boston Bruins for Barstool Sports. Make sure you check him out at barstoolsports.com. I caught up with him this morning over the phone. Uh, he was going to come in studio, but he ended up with a flat tire today. So we did it over the Skype hotline. And we talked NHL trade deadline, more specifically what the Bruins did and didn't do at the trade deadline yesterday at 3 o'clock. Uh, so I'll play that conversation, the audio of that conversation for you in just a few moments. Uh, yesterday on this podcast, it was a tough one to do because I'm recording a couple hours before the NHL trade deadline and before the NFL franchise tag deadline. And it, obviously things change probably while you're listening, while you were listening to yesterday's podcast, things had been different from when I recorded. So it's kind of a tough day uh, uh, to, to get things right. But what I did try to do was go back and, and evaluate some of the moves that were made instead of looking too much ahead into some of the moves that could be made, not really knowing what was going to go down. Uh, now, in the NHL, the trades that went down after I recorded yesterday's podcast, um, you know, you had, I, I wouldn't say any, I wouldn't say anything major. I really wouldn't. I still think that the biggest deal and the biggest name that was moved was Keith Yandel to the Rangers on Sunday, late afternoon, early evening. I think that's the biggest trade. And he made his debut in New York last night. They beat the best team in the league in the Nashville Predators. Uh, Yandel, you know, the Rangers had one power play. Yandel played the entire two minutes. Uh, he's going to be the QB on that thing. And I think that people will see what he's bringing to the table, uh, really opening things up offensively as a defenseman, an offensive-minded defenseman. And as an offensive-minded defenseman, one of the best in the league uh, with that skill set. So, uh, again, I even though I recorded yesterday before the deadline, now that we are past the 3 o'clock deadline yesterday and into a whole new day and the deadline's passed and done, I still look at, the Yandel trade being the uh, biggest move in the National Hockey League, and the New York Rangers will certainly benefit from that here moving forward. Um, the, the, the last deal that was made yesterday was Chris Stewart, and I don't understand. Is Chris Stewart any good? Can somebody, can somebody explain to me what the, what the infatuation is with Chris Stewart? I, don't, I just don't get it. There were a lot of people in this town that brought his name up months ago. And I said, I don't understand that. Uh, the Minnesota Wild gave up a second-round pick for Chris Stewart. I, I just won't understand why his name was so coveted here in the free agent market. He was the last player to go at the deadline. I'm sorry. I just don't see it with him. Um, I, I really don't. And if you're going to look at the Bruins and what they did, well, yesterday I did talk about Brett Conley and the move they made for him and why I liked it. And the more I think about it, the more I love it. Uh... But also they went out and they got Max Talbot. You know, you got people coming out and saying, well, uh, he's a glue guy in the locker room. Okay. Um, I, I, look, I like Talbot. But I also like him, I, I think, because they're looking at next year. Talbot's under, under contract, under a contract for another year uh, next year. And, uh, you know, it's real cheap. I think it's, I don't even know if it's one mil. So... I'm fine with the Talbot deal. I do, you know, I, look, I like him. I like Tal Max Talbot. Uh, but I really do, I, I love the Conley deal. 
And maybe the reason I love the Conley deal, outside of the fact that I do think there's great potential here, he comes into the Bruins with 12 goals this season, which is currently tied for third on the team in goals with Riley Smith. It's two more than a guy like Carl Soderberg. Um, Brett Conley, I'm not telling you he's going to be a top six forward right now on this team, but he very well could be next year. Again, this is a kid who was drafted in 2010, sixth overall. You look at some of the names in that draft, Hall, Sagan, Johansson, Tarasenko, uh, Skinner. I mean, that was a good draft. We'll go Kevin Hayes at the, at the bottom of the first round there. Uh, that was a, that's a good first round. And Brett Conley, six foot two, 180, right-handed shot. He likes to shoot the puck, right wing. I, I get that he's not the star-studded, all-star, 30-goal scorer that you wanted the Bruins to get here in New England, but let's face it, given how much NHL time he's actually seen, which isn't much uh, in the last couple of years, he played 50 games this year, 12 goals. Kid likes to shoot. Uh, they rave about his shot, and if he can prove to be worthy of that sixth overall pick from 2010, given some more playing time, and who knows, playing with a guy like Patrice Bergeron, or I'll say it, even David Krejci, perhaps Brett Conley uh, can be a guy that we're looking at that could potentially score 30. I'm not ruling that out. I'm really not. If he can get a full season in the NHL. Uh, let He's 22 years old. I, and you gave up a couple second-round picks for him. But more importantly, forget about this year, think about next year. You know, I do think that Peter Shirelli, it was clear, he did not panic at the deadline. Because he didn't panic at the deadline, he feels some type of job security. And if he feels some type of job security, here's what I think. I think that he has job security. And I'm okay with that. Because he didn't panic and do something stupid this year, which is either going to affect uh, them next season or affect them five years from now. You know, he didn't trade a first-round pick to go out and get a rental winger to help this team win a first-round series. He didn't do it, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Now, they do have moves to make this offseason, clearly, and they have decisions to make on certain guys. You know, Dennis Seidenberg, his contract. You know, they have decisions to make here. But a decision, you know, if you want to second-guess anything Peter Shirelli did yesterday— and we get into this conversation all the time about how, um, you know, the Bruins, we get in this conversation all the time about how the Bruins, they mismanaged the cap, right? Or Peter Shirelli missed, somehow mismanaged the salary cap. And you say that because they gave guys that they like too much money. Well, somebody that is due to make some money is Carl Soderberg. He's going to be 30 years old. He's a fan favorite, a heavy fan favorite in this town. I've never been the biggest Soderbergh guy, if you've listened to me. I'm okay with him. He's a good player, right? But I certainly don't put him on the level that some people put him at. And he's a third-line center in this team. And let's face it, as long as Krejci and Bergeron are around, Kyle Soderbergh is going to be a third-line center on this team. You could say that's depth, but you can also say that Hey, the Bruins put themselves in a tough salary cap position right now because they gave contracts to guys that they liked that ultimately ended up being too high. And if there's a guy yesterday that, in hindsight here, and even around the time of the deadline, so maybe not even in hindsight, because I definitely said this and thought this 
yesterday morning, early afternoon was, I wonder what they do with Carl Soderberg. You know? Especially where you got a kid like Ryan Spooner that's coming up, who's obviously going to be much cheaper than Soderberg. And if you want to talk about skill set offensively, well, I mean, I think you could even make the argument that Spooner has more skill than Soderberg. I, I, I do. I think you can make that argument. Now, Soderberg is a guy, seems to be a Julian guy. Three, all three zones, play some defensive hockey. But even at times with Soderberg, I've seen him as sort of a space shot in his own zone and, and not picking up bodies out front. I've seen that from him. And, you know, I, I guess I don't, I've never put Soderberg in the category that a lot of fans in this town have put him in. I guess I just don't see it like that. He's a good player. But you have decisions to make. And people look up in arms about how they let Craig Cunningham go and didn't get anything in return. Or how the Bruins, um, you know, same thing with Matt Frazier, right? What's Matt Frazier done with Edmonton? Anything? What's Craig Cunningham going to do with Phoenix? Anything? Are we really, I have people saying, it's embarrassing. They let him go for nothing. You know what's going to be embarrassing? When you let Carl Soderberg go for nothing, right? That's embarrassing. Not Cunningham, Frazier. No, I'm sorry. These are people that are trying to make these guys be much better hockey players and have more talent and more trade value than they actually would have, okay? But let's, let's look at Soderberg. As much as I'm not as, much of, you know, I'm not as much of a fan of Soderberg as a lot of people are in this town, I think he's a good player, but I'm willing to agree with you that he's got some trade value. And if you're not going to re-sign him or think you're not going to be able to re-sign him, I think that maybe we're going to look back at this trade deadline and wonder why they didn't think about selling some guys a little bit more, right? Why they didn't maybe consider moving a guy like Carl Soderberg at the deadline. And look, that's going to be an unpopular opinion with the people who love him. But reality is, how much money are they going to have to, to, to spend to sign him? And if you really want to spend money next year or this offseason, where do you actually want to spend it? You see, me, I'd rather spend it on defense. I'm not a fan of McQuaid. I'm not even a fan of Miller when he's healthy. Um, Seidenberg, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with moving him if you can move him. I'm okay with moving that four mil a year. I'm okay with that. Okay, all right? I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I think they need some defense. I think they need to go out and find that. And if it means needing extra salary cap space for it, then go do it. And if it means not bringing back Soderberg and plugging Spooner in next season as your, your new young sentiment on that third line, then I'm all for that as well. But if can you, can you imagine if they just let – you want to talk about embarrassing to just let guys go and let guys walk? Here's embarrassing. If you just let Carl Soderberg walk, that's embarrassing. You cannot let that happen. Now, maybe you get him – Maybe you can get Soderberg on the cheap. I don't know. I don't know. But you might have a team that's willing to give him some money to be their second line, that team's second line center. And to a point where the Bruins have to go all aginla on you and say, well, we just can't match that because we don't have the money to do it. Right? And also, maybe we don't even feel he's worth that on our team. And that's what got them in this position in the first place. So I wonder... If the Bruins could have done more yesterday, but not more to help this team right now, more to help them this offseason, right? If you've listened to me, you know that I'm not really that high on this Bruins team making a serious Stanley Cup run. 
And I don't think there was a guy out there yesterday at the deadline that was going to help them do that. And the more I think about it, and the more I think of next year, I love the Brett Conley trade. I do. I like Talbot. I love the Brett Conley trade. And I love the mindset that Chiarelli had. I thought with, with, I thought with that, ultimately, I thought Chiarelli did a nice job. I, do, I think he did a nice job. I think that if he had maybe made a move and said, hey, see, let's see what we can get for a guy like Soderberg. You know, I, I, maybe I'm sitting there saying he did a great job. I'm just thinking of ways in which you can help this Bruins team this offseason because I think you can help them to a certain point in which next year you go in and you are once again a contender. Yes, I believe that can be the case. If you don't do anything crazy, don't blow up the system, don't blow up uh, uh, the organization to the point where you're trading major pieces of the puzzle, I don't think that's the answer. Do I think Seidenberg's a major piece of the puzzle anymore? Eh, not a major. And that's why I, I'm okay with moving him. Would I move Louie and his contract? Yes, I would, if the right deal was there. You know? Um, but Soderbergh's a guy I, I feel like you got to have the conversation about. And if you think Spoon is going to come into a situation in which he's going to be a player for this team starting next year, then guess what? Guess what? You, you know, you're all of a sudden going to let Soderbergh walk for nothing, and that looks bad. That's when we come back to this trade deadline and say, what were you doing? You know, what were you doing? Were you not thinking of that? So, but again, we don't know what's going to happen with them. And just basing on what we know right now, Conley, Talbot, Bruins not panicking, uh, not overreacting, not blowing it up, and not overreacting the other way by giving up first-round picks uh, for rental forwards. I am okay, and I think Shirelli did a nice job yesterday. I uh, Conley, this, this could... This could be a major, this, that could turn out being a major move, the Brett Conley trade. I really believe so. But uh, I still think the biggest winner in the National Hockey League with regards to championship hopes and players that they brought in, uh, a guy who's not a rental and won't be a rental in Keith Yandel, who is really, really going to help the Rangers here moving forward. So there's the NHL trade deadline, Rear Admiral Boston Sports. We're going to play that audio for you right now. Stick around because afterwards, uh, I'll give you my thoughts on NFL franchise tag deadline and things that happened after yesterday's 4 o'clock deadline and specifically a couple things here with the New England Patriots that we're talking about in their defensive secondary uh, and what this team could look like a little bit in that secondary next season. Are people overreacting? Uh, to some things about that was said about Revis, of people overreacting to maybe the Patriots not putting the tag on Devin McCourty. Uh, I'll discuss that, and there's some other stories that do have to do with Major League Baseball, and even a, even a little golf story for you that, that maybe people aren't paying attention to. So I'll close it out with that, uh, but right now, here is my conversation with Rear Admiral from Boston Sports. Uh, check it out, and stick with me after this conversation. <laughs> All right, joining me now on the Skype hotline is Brian McGonigal, also known as Rear Admiral from Boston Sports. Check him out at bostolsports.com. Uh, he writes about the Boston Bruins, which were one of the teams uh, involved in some trade deadline activity, though uh, maybe not as much as some people in New England would have liked. Uh, but Brian McGonigal joins me right now on the Skype phone line. Brian, what's going on? How you doing today? 
all right, you know, wish I could have made it in studio today, but yet, yet another flat tire from this dreadful winter, so I couldn't get in there. Yeah, hey, you know what? And and maybe people outside of Boston don't give a shit about this question I have for you. Um, but you're living in Salty now, right? Right now you're living in Salty? Yes. How do you feel about the one, the new one-way parking that they instituted here in the city during all these snowstorms? Uh, actually, I like it. I think it's uh, I think it's necessary due to the amount of snow in the street. But also, Dan, uh, you can probably back me up here. You know, since uh, we've gotten a lot of new residents here, you know, Southie's unique uh, among Boston neighborhoods in so far as the, the driving over here is different. Southie's only one of two neighborhoods that was actually pre-mapped out ahead of time, the back baby and the other. So, you know, there's kind of a, a style of driving over here that's unlike most neighborhoods. And a lot of the you know, new newer residents aren't quite down with it. Uh, they're trying to drive down the middle of the street uh, on a two-way street. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't give courtesy ways. That you know, there's a lot of stuff they don't pick up on. You know, not not driving here their whole life. So I think this one-way street thing is actually a, a good thing. And it, you know, I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but given the way uh, a lot of you know people drive in this town now that you know didn't drive this way 20 years ago, it might not be the worst thing to have one-way streets because uh, people just don't know how to drive down streets and salty like they used to it's more like ireland now people just driving down the middle and people have to get out of the way for you now yeah, yeah i think they're gonna lift it on april 1st and make them two-way streets again or at least the ones that used to be two-way streets but i actually because of the storm all these storms and, and because they actually changed them to one ways I, I like the way it is so i hope uh it stays that way but i won't i, I didn't bring you on here to talk yeah. about snowstorms and parking, but since you had a flat tire today and we were supposed to get you in studio, uh, we still got you over the phone. Uh, that is still good for us. And, well, I got to ask you, NHL trade deadline was yesterday at 3 o'clock. I'll get to the Bruins in just a second, but when we look at the entire league as a whole and, and maybe not just some of the moves that were made yesterday in the hours leading up to 3 o'clock, but maybe even some of the moves on Sunday and Saturday – do you have you sort of given a biggest winner and biggest loser award at the NHL trade deadline? Um, I, I actually didn't write write that up, but uh, I would have to say, ironically, probably Buffalo might be one of the, the bigger winners. Uh, not so much on just the day itself, but you know the events leading or the trades leading up to the uh, yesterday. Um, you know they, they they've done a good job. I mean, I, I, you don't really credit a team for tanking, but they've done a, do, done a good job of tanking without being completely blatant about it, like the Penguins were back when they were trying to get Mario Lemieux. Mm. Um, you know, they've done it kind of subtly and deftly to, you know, get their roster uh, to not be too good so they will, so they can go out and give an effort but just not win games. And, uh, you know, then they, they dumped Neuverth off to the, uh, the Islanders to bring in Chad Johnson. So they basically had, I think, Anders Lindback and Chad Johnson are their two goalies for the remainder of the year, which is, is pretty laughable. The two, uh, I mean, Lindback's even barely a backup. He, he's never really latched on with any of the teams he's been with. And, you know, Johnson had a nice, uh, you know, nice season with the Bruins last year, but uh, he struggled on Long Island this year. So uh, Buffalo's gone out. Um, you know, they certainly locked, put themselves in a good position to get either, uh, you know, uh, Eichel or um, the other kid, Mick, uh, I'm spacing out on his name, um, not – the, what's his name? Mc, Michael the McDavid? Mc, Mc something. I forget McDavid. his name. McDavid. Yeah, McDavid. McDavid. Sorry. So, you know, they put themselves in a good spot there. Uh, they've got tons of draft picks. I mean, they didn't obviously load, you know, add to their, their present-day roster, but uh, I think Buffalo, you know, as is, is bad as they've been, they've, they've kind of put themselves in a good position. They, they, they maximized their assets. Uh, as far as big loser on the day, 
Um, I don't know. If, I mean, the Bruins certainly weren't a winner. Uh, I don't know that I'd call them a big loser. If they had done nothing, I'd call them a big loser. Um, they got a little bit of forward depth. Talbot brings, you know, he brings some grit. He brings some veteran leadership. Uh, you know, now with Campbell being hurt, he, he might be able to help fill that, you know, fourth line role. Um, you know, he's, he's certainly a, an upgrade over Caron. Um, the kid Conley, he's, he's, you know, kind of an X factor. Uh, if he kind of pans out like Tampa Bay thought they were getting, I mean, you know, it, there is kind of a, the alarm goes off. Well, Tampa Bay, sixth overall pick, they're already getting, you know, potting ways with him. But, you know, he did get drafted five years ago, mm. and they, you know, saw a chance to move him. They do have a lot of young talent, uh, you know, champing at the bit there to come up. So I, I, I guess they thought he was expendable. Uh, but the Bruins failed in not getting any any D, Dan. Uh, that's where you, they may be a candidate for having being a, a loser on trade day. That's where they, I thought they really needed help. Um, you know, you got six guys right now, you know, uh, Botkowski, Chara, Hamilton, Krug, McQuaid, Seidenberg. Uh, and those are your six right there. You know, Miller's out for the year. I would have liked to have seen him bring in, you know, any vet, you know, even a, even a, a third-pairing guy from – a scrub team just to, you know, get a kind of a veteran guy who, who you can plug in there anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, they do get some pretty good talent on the farm in Providence. Uh, you know, Wasowski's come up. He's looked good in the couple times he had him. Morrow has been hurt, but uh, I, I liked his play. I liked his game. I wouldn't be surprised if when he's healthy, we see him uh, up for the playoffs. And uh, Kid Trotman, uh, I think he might have some talent. So, so they do have some talent on the farm, but uh, they're not necessarily proven commodities. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them, you know, bring in a proven commodity, um, you know, to, to back up the D. Because, you know, in the playoffs, guys are going to get hurt. They're going to get digged up. Um, so, you know, the Bruins are going to rely on on some youth, which is kind of not the way they've done things. So I wouldn't call them a big loser on the day, but uh, I wouldn't call them a winner either. Well, look, I mean, it's funny because we had this conversation, you know, when – when the trade went down right before the season, and I can remember saying, you know what's going to happen at the trade deadline? Is the Bruins are going to be looking for a defenseman, and it just so happens that the type of defenseman that we all wanted to see them go get actually goes by the name of Johnny Boychuk. And and the Bruins never really did anything uh, to make up for that trade. So, uh, you know, you go back, you can go back to that, right? And you can look at the problems the Bruins have, and you can look at the needs that they have, and you can and you can still question why the heck did Peter Shirelli make that move? I, I mean, do you still go back to that? I know that I do. Uh, but but how much do you go back to the Boychuk trade with regards to, well, this is where the Bruins' problems actually began this season when Shirelli traded Boychuk for draft picks. Uh, I... I- tend not to dwell on things that already happened. I mean, even if they have mistakes or whatever, I, I don't know that that put them on a bad path. Uh, the fact they didn't replace them in any way is, you know, is, is the, is the problem. I don't like the trade. I, I don't know why they did it then. I don't think they got mm. good value for them, especially, uh, you know, considering they could have, I mean, they, they may have, they could have held them uh, until the deadline. I mean, it would have been awful to keep them all year and then trade them at the deadline, but they considering what teams were getting for guys, I think they would have got a hell of a lot more value for them if they, if they hung on to them and dumped them, you know, of course they'd have a, still have a gaping hole on, on the, you know, their top four right now, if they did keep them and then trade them. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it was, it was a bad move. Uh, I, I know people are trying to call it boy Chuck for Pauly now, but I don't, you know, it's not the same two picks. I mean, the bones use their two picks, not the, the picks they got for boy Chuck. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see it that way. No, I don't either. Uh, you know, I, I, I it's, it's a, it's a huge hole. And, uh, 
I, again, I, I, it's just one of those, you know, what, what are they thinking? I know he said, oh, he's building, you know, for, for, for later moves. But, you know, I think we all assumed that the later move was going to involve a, a defenseman in some way. But um, that, it, it didn't. And, you know, that that's still a, a big hole on the roster. And uh, it's, I mean, point check, man, looking at some of the deals that the defenseman have got, I mean, he, he might be looking at over, you know, north of $6 million. I mean, he might, he's probably going to be looking at a five, five-year, $31, $32 million deal, man. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's still, don't, I still don't get why they traded me to Dan. I really, I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, they, they trade him too soon. They, they didn't get good value for him and, you know, they haven't replaced him. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it's still a big hole in the roster and going forward. I don't know. I don't know if any of these kids are going to, uh, step in and do even, even half the job he did, but. You know, this is this is the team. This is this is what the Bruins have. This is what they they're going into the, into the playoffs with. Hopefully, they get in there. And I don't know. It's it's uh, it doesn't inspire a, a ton of confidence. I'll say that. Well, we'll talk about what the Bruins didn't do in just a minute, and and your thoughts on Shirelli in just a, a few minutes. But um, let's talk about what they did get. And 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 they got Brett Conley. And you know what? I really like this deal uh, for a couple different reasons. And not just because I think, you know, I, look, I don't think that Brett Conley is going to come into this Bruins team and, and be a top six forward right away. But, I mean, if you do look at that 2010 draft, he was a kid who was taken, uh, you know, sixth overall, uh, I believe, in that pit, in that draft, right? And that was a pretty good draft, and some, some pretty good players have come out of that draft. And I don't think he's had all the time in the world to become an NHL player, or at least the opportunity, but let's face it, if he... Right now, he jumps on this Bruins team this season, and he's got the same amount of goals as Riley Smith in, in almost you know ten less games. I believe he'd, he'd have the third most goals on this team. He does right now uh, coming in. But forget about this season. I think when you look at next year and where he could fit into this team as a right shot and a right wing and a kid who has a whole lot of potential, I, I like this move. I really do because it also showed me that the Bruins and Peter Shirelli, you know, he didn't. He, he didn't go into panic mode, and I'm glad he didn't because I was concerned. My concern with Shirelli was that he was going to panic, and he was going to give up like some first-round pick to rent Eric Cole for a couple months who wasn't going to win, help win them a cup, right? Or he was going to maybe even go crazy and, and blow it up a little bit and trade some franchise players. You know, I didn't want to see him go either route, and I think this is sort of in the middle of that where he's still giving this team a shot next year and he's still saying to us, you know what? Yeah, we have more moves to make, but we're not going to panic now. We're going to make those moves in the offseason. Do you see it like that? And how do you feel about, about Conley coming in? Um, as far as Shirelli, I, you know, he, he kind of managed as if, you know, he's confident that he's going to be here for a while. And yeah. obviously we don't know what his contract is. Um, I thought he, you know, he may have been a little more desperate. Well, he's used the word desperate, but, you know, then you look at what Chicago and L.A. gave up. Uh, to to bring in some some of their play, what what they gave up in their trade, and you know that that certainly wasn't desperate. It was you know they paid a huge price to get, to bring their guys in, but you know they're not certainly a, a desperate mode by any stretch of the imagination. But you know if Shirelli had given up you know equal uh, given up equal pots for somebody, I think it may have been viewed as desperation here. Mm. Of course, the, you know Bruins are struggling to get into the last well not struggling, but they're in the last playoff spot right now, and you know Chicago and L.A. Are, you know playing a little different brand of hockey than the Bruins right now. Uh, so I, I think Shirelli's confident that he's going to be here, that he'll see this through. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, if, if they were to crap out and not even make the playoffs, then 
I think his job would certainly be in jeopardy. Uh, if they crap out in the first round, you know, I, I think Neely and, and, and uh, Jacobs are probably going to take a, take a, a long look at him. Um, but as far as the Conley move, yeah, I, like I wrote yesterday, I, I think it's an intriguing move. Uh, it's one that, you know, uh, Shirelli could end up looking good on because, you know, they gave up two two second rounders for a kid with certainly a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, I think he had, uh, I found it was 12 goals his, his first year with Tampa. It looked like, he, you know, 2011-12, uh, I think he played 60-some games with him. It looked like he was going to stick, and then I think he had an injury and struggled to stay in the lineup. So, you know, this kid is, is, is far from a bust. He's not anywhere near that. I mean, I'm, you know, Tampa, some people down there may feel it, you know, they, where they got him five years ago and he, you know, didn't really stick with the team. Well, actually, this year he was with him for 50 games. He was up with them all. Yeah, like you say, he's got 12 goals. Yeah. I mean, on the Bruins, I, I think that's tied for third. Of tied, tied for so, third. Yeah. Tied for third on the Bruins. Yeah, so this kid definitely an, an intriguing pick. And, and like you say, it's, well, he's, you know, he'll be a restricted free agent after the year. So he's, you know, basically going to still be the Bruins' property. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't just a trade for the now, but it was also, you know, with with an eye toward the future. So, yeah, you know, we, we kind of been down on Shirelli, a lot of us, you know, with some of the moves, organizational moves they made. But this is one that I think has the potential to, to, to be a, a savvy trade. But, you know, of course, if, if the kid turns out to be, you know, a, a top pick who ends up being, you know, maybe third or fourth line material, then, you know, yeah, maybe Charlie spent a bit on on yet another trade, but uh, on on paper it looks good. It's a kid with talent, and they you know they gave up two second rounders, which it's not a small price to pay. But mm. uh, there's a there's a lot of potential. He was in again, like you said, a talented draft class, but the Hall and Sagan draft class, and you know sixth overall pick. So so there's something there with them, and, and uh, hopefully he can realize his full potential here. And I think he'll, I think he'll get a better opportunity here than maybe he has been getting in Tampa with you know. It seemed like he got really a consistent chance down there. But uh, like I, said, I know he did have an injury, a hip injury down there that kind of curtailed him a bit. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what this kid can do. Uh, we know what Talbot is. He's kind of a known commodity. And, mm. you know, I think, like I said, he brings some grit uh, and some very veteran leadership to the bottom six. And, you know, I, I like him better on the team than, than Karan. I, I just I think we know what we have with Karan. And, uh, we were wondering why Chiarelli uh, re-signed him for this year. Well, I guess we know why. He, you know, wanted to use him for an asset to get something later down the line. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to get anything for Cunningham or Fraser, but at least he was able to get something for Caron. So I guess we can, you know, commend him for that. Hey, and you know what? Talbot's on a contract next year, pretty cheap too. And and I think that's a, that's just something Shirelli was looking at. I mean, we're looking at next year. Uh, th- that's sort of where my focus has been, Bry. I don't see this Bruins team winning a cup this year, and I didn't see any moves that were going to be made at this deadline that were going to come out and win him a cup. You know, they're dealing with the Krejci injury. Chara's playing banged up. Seidenberg is not at his best, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him move in the, moved in the offseason. Um, and, and you got Miller out. McQuaid's playing terrible. I just I, I just don't see it right now with this team, and I didn't see any moves out there that could that could really get them over the hump this year. And some people might look at some of the moves and say, well, why couldn't the Bruins make those moves or give those second or third round picks for those guys? And I guess the way I look at that is maybe some GMs around the league saw Peter Shirelli to be in a in a in a panic situation where they were maybe trying to get more out of him than another GM and another team. And they were trying to get the Bruins involved in some type of bit and war and overspend for a guy. And, and maybe, and obviously as we know, Shirelli just wasn't going to do it. But when I look into next year and it looks like Shirelli is too, how do you view that? 
I mean, how are you viewing next Bruins season? Are you looking at this organization saying they need to make major changes this offseason and maybe blow it up? Or do you think that next year, if they can get their core guys healthy and their core guys playing the way they're capable of playing and maybe making a couple minor moves to open up some space on the cap and, and maybe bringing in another player or two defensively, do you think this is a team next year that we go into the season saying they have a shot to win a cup? Uh, I think they need to make some changes over the summer, Dan. First off, I, I agree with you uh, as far as there wasn't one trade that they could have made that would have put them, quote-unquote, over the top, um, you know, uh, to go all in far. Like, uh, you know, there wasn't one guy or one person they were going to get. I know people wanted to get Yando, and Yando's a good player. I like him, but he's not what the Bruins needed. Uh, I think they need a little more of a bumper on the back end if they were going to get some defensive depth. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I, I didn't think, like, you know, Yando was going to be a, a particular piece the Bruins will be looking for. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there wasn't one thing that, you know, they could have done that with us. Okay, now, now they're all set. And also, you know, as far as, you know, why couldn't they have gotten these guys if, if this team got them? You know, every trade is different. Every team is different. Every need is different. So, you know, just because, you know, one team gave up X, Y, and Z for, for a player A doesn't mean that another team can give up the same thing and get that same player. So I think that's a misconception a lot of people have. Uh, as far as next year, uh, no, the, the, they don't have to blow anything up. Uh, I do think that there's maybe a sense of staleness maybe come with kind of have over this team this year. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this last rut, it's just, you know, it's it's just the team seems stale. The roster maybe seems a little stale. Uh, I think they need to do a little bit of a shakeup, but no, I, they don't need to blow it up. I mean, you know, you keep keep obviously Rask. He's, he's you know, he, w without him, God knows where they would would be this season. I know he had a couple rough stretches earlier in the year, but you know, he's been the savior for them. They'd be out of the playoffs uh, top eight without him right now. You know, you got Bergeron, obviously keep him. Jara. Um, I, I'm assuming he'll probably get his knee fixed over the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, he's in dynamite shape. I know he's slowed down a, a bit, but he's still a, uh, he's still a top defenseman in the league, not the top. But uh, you bring him back, and you know, there's your, your kind of your main three guys right there. Uh, I, I think you keep Krejci. He's a playoff savant. I'm, I'm hoping we get him at least somewhat healthy for the playoffs this year because he, he is a playoff performer. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know they gotta maybe look at you know taking calls on some other guys. I know we mentioned Lucic before. I mean, you kind of look, he's quietly got 13 goals this year, but he's just been quiet too many nights this year. Uh, of course, you know, playoff performances are going to have a big, um, a lot to do with what they do over the summer. And, you know, Lucic can, can undo a lot of the, the bad, the bad of this year with, with the good playoffs and, you know, kind of quiet the critics like myself that, you know, if he went out and had a monster playoff, then, you know, they're, not, they're certainly not going to want to trade him if he does that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have specific names I, I want to see get traded or anything like that, but I think they, they do need to do a little roster turnover, kind of keep, you know, keep core guys and, you know, maybe make some, some a little more than cosmetic changes. It's, you know, what the Kings do, what the Blackhawks do, and, you know, I kind of keep want, want the Bruins to stay with, with those two teams. There's no reason they shouldn't, and, you know, those two teams, they keep their, you know, their core guys, but they, they make a lot of changes on, on, on the periphery. And, you know, I, I think that wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing for the Bruins to, to change things up. But, you know, you got to kind of keep things fresh. And, you know, it's good to have guys who know how to win on a team, but but also, you know, things can get stale and guys can get complacent. And it's good to have a reminder that, you know, you're not going to be here if you don't do the work. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see a few changes all over the over the summer. But you know, conversely, let's let's see how the playoffs shake out too. 
Uh, I know they don't have a, uh, the most dynamic roster, but, you know, uh, you got a goalie, and sometimes young kids can bring an infusion of not only talent, but, but um, you know, not hot, but uh, effort. And sometimes they can be, it can be a nice infusion of blood to a team and, you know, lifeblood kind of wake them up. You know, you, you know, you got uh, Kid Ferlin playing pretty good hockey. He's passing the next, but uh, a pleasure to watch. Um, you know, a couple of young guys like that can just kind of almost rejuvenate a team from within. And, you know, you're going to be adding crazy for the playoffs. And it, it's not a team I'm going to quit on yet. I mean, they haven't inspired a ton of confidence, but I think there are still parts there that, that know how to win. And, and you know, I, I think the jury's not going to be in it until, uh, until the playoffs are all said and done. You know, it's it's like I say, just got to get in the playoffs. and You know, anything can happen. And there's it, it, definitely a unique blend on this roster where, you know, I'm, I'm – you know, I'm anticipating the playoffs. I mean, if it looks like they might get Montreal first round, but hey, let's do it, man. Bring, bring it on, you know. What would you do with Carl So? What's going to go on with Carl Soderberg? He's an interesting name, right? I mean, we're looking at a a third line center, um, somebody that seems to be, at least from what I see, a fan favorite in this town. Um, but obviously, they, there is some things that Peter Shirelli needs to figure out with the salary cap and he's going to be a name that I think comes up this offseason I-, I thought maybe would even come up yesterday what what would you do with, with him with with Carl Soderbergh's situation uh I I mean I would try to re-sign him uh I know he's going to be looking at a big raise he only, he only made him I think a million dollars in the last couple of years uh he's obviously started off the year good he's obviously tailed off in the, in the last month or so I mean you know he can say that that's the whole team, but yeah, his play hasn't been as great. Um, but he's also, you know, you, you, you know, you look at his career here. I mean, he, last year was the most games he's ever played in his, you know, in his, in his professional career. And he's you know, almost going to, well, he's going to be 30 years old later this yeah. year. I mean, he played 73 games last year before the playoffs. Uh, you know, played 62 so far this year. I think maybe he had a little bit of a wall, like, you know, we kind of see that more with younger guys, but you know, he, the guy never really played all, all that much hockey, but I think he'll be fine when the playoffs roll around. I, I think he's he's obviously been the benefit of being the third center on a team with Krejci and Bergeron. Um, it's going to benefit a guy because you know the team's going to focus on their defense on on Bergeron and Krejci first. Uh, but I think he's sh- he, he's been a one of the better third line centers in the league. Uh, he's going to command a pretty good raise off his one million a year. Uh, I you know you kind of hope he'll take less to stay here, but. Um, uh, who knows? I mean, he may. Who knows if he wa- wants to go back to Sweden? Uh, I don't get any indications of that. He's he's a guy who doesn't really seem to tip his hand too much to the media. Uh, so I I would you know if you can get him back for I don't know a couple million next year. I mean you know that's two million. Showing not a lot for a third line center, but uh, you know some other team might he's unrestricted. Another team might 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 look at him and say hey we'll you know we'll get three or four and make him our second line center. So I think the Bruins should certainly make an effort to re-sign him, but um, it's I, I, it's all going to depend on his price. And honestly, right now I, I have no idea what a team would think he's worth. Uh, you know, again, he may he may look like a second line center on on a, on a on a mid-level team or even a non-playoff team. But you know, it, it, I don't know if teams are going to are going to want to throw that kind of money at him. But yeah, I'd like to see the Bruins bring him back. Uh, but you know, if the money's there, if not, you know, I'm sure teams will be lining up to get him. He's, He's certainly proven himself in the league the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know what? Let's see what we get with Spooner here moving forward, too. I mean, Spooner's got all the talent in the world, and if he can put it together to a point where Claude Julien 
uh, thinks that this kid is going to play in all three zones of the ice, then you might be looking at a situation where we're sitting here saying, wow, we'd rather see Ryan Spooner in that position as a third-line center, right? I, I mean, it's possible that he could be in, put himself in a position here where we're saying, where was this kid? Where was Spooner two months ago? And, and why would you even consider sending him back down? He's, he should be here to stay. Do you think that, are you giving him this opportunity, uh, um, you know, to, to make his mark in this organization and, and stick with the team long-term, Ryan Spooner? Uh, well, actually, I think he's got a perfect opportunity here. Yeah, it was actually the other young guy's name I was trying to come up with a minute ago when I mentioned, uh, you know, Ferlin and Pasternak. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a golden opportunity right now, Dan. I mean, he's got Krejci out injured. It's, you know, none of us want to see that, but uh, if you're Ryan Spooner, it's the perfect time for him. Now he gets to, he gets to show his stuff, and you know, and he, he I don't think he has to worry about you know getting sent back down if he screws up. Um, you know, uh, and as playing the in the offensive, zone, I'm sorry, in his own defensive zone. You know, he, he knows he, he probably knows in the back of his head. Well, they're not going to send me down. They they kind of need me here. And, you know, I think that'll probably give him a little bit more confidence. I think that's an issue with the Bruins' young guys that, you know, they come up and they're so, they're so freaking afraid of making a mistake that it affects their play and their confidence. You know, I don't think they give them the freedom to, to really make mistakes like maybe other organizations give their young players. So um, I think Spooner, you know, he, he knows he's going to be up probably. You know, I mean, they're not going to send him down as long as Gracie's out. Mm-hmm. And he's got an opportunity to, to do some things here. And so far, he's looked good. He's... He's had some nice plays. I, I think he's kind of actually given Krejci, given Lucic a, a kick in the butt. He, he seems to be playing with, with a little more uh, renewed vigor. And, you know, obviously passing back on the line is, is a lot of creativity. So, uh, it, yeah, Spooner, he, this is a great audition for him. Uh, as far as him as a third-line center, you know, in replacing Soderberg, uh, you know, I don't know that if that's the way they want to use him, you know, because he, he is an offensive-minded kid. He does. You know, he, he's all about dishing the puck, and you know. But it's it's kind of going back to the Sagan issue. Well, he he's not going to knock Krejci uh, or Bergeron from their their job, so you kind of have to settle him in the in the third line role. But you know, I I don't know if that's if that's going to be the best you know position for a kid who's you know more known for his offensive game and obviously playing with the Bruins, he has to learn to play defense. But I uh, you know it, it's it's going to be an interesting thing going forward. But yeah, for the next month month and a half, we're going to get a good look, look, look at Spooner here, and, you know, he, he might be able to fill Krejci's void for the next month, and uh, like I said, he's looked good so far, and then you know, they'll have him in the playoffs. So he'll be an, an additional weapon for the playoffs, so you know, it, it's one one thing Bruins fans haven't wanted to see all year, is get, getting a long, extended look at Spooner instead of a random call up for a day here or a game here, and, you know, that doesn't really give a guy uh, much time or room to get, get, you know, get any consistency going, but uh, you know, Krejci's injury has certainly opened the door uh, for Spooner, and uh, I'm interested to see what he does. And like I said, so far he's he's been nice, nice addition, and uh, hopefully he'll keep it up. Do you have a team that you're looking at that's saying, "Wow, you know, this is the team to beat right now"? I mean, you had a big game last night. Two of the best teams in the league, the Rangers beat uh, the Predators. And, you know, Yandel, I think, will certainly help out New York uh, moving forward. I mean, the Rangers had one power play last night. Yandel played the entire two minutes. That's, the, that, that's what he's going to do. He's going to be running the power play for that team. And uh, I think they're going to benefit from that move big time. The Rangers are going to be tough to beat. I, I still like Nashville. Um, you know, you can't overlook Anaheim, obviously. But And then you got Montreal there. They got 41 wins this season. 
is there a team that you're looking at and saying there's the they're the favorite or they're the team to beat or do you have multiple teams? Where, where do you when you look around the league, where do you stand right now with the potential Stanley Cup favorite? Um, Stanley Cup favorite. Well, I mean, I you know it's funny they're actually on the outside looking in today, but um, they're actually tied for uh, well third in their division is, mm-hmm. the, is the Kings. I think you know as long as you're the champion. You know, you still have a team to beat. Um, it's, like I said, they're they're actually tied with 70 points for Calgary, but Calgary has a couple more wins, so they're technically in the playoffs. But I, I think the Kings are obviously going to get in the playoffs if I feel they're a team to beat. But, um, yeah, they kind of lollygagged during the season. They didn't play their best, and I, I think they've turned it on lately. Um, they, they should get in there. But, yeah, they're they're an obvious team, you know, defending champions. Uh, Chicago's going to be it, be there late, but yeah, Nashville's very intriguing. They're a, a team nobody had um, doing this good. I knew they'd be somewhat improved um, to bring a Laviolette in. A new coach like him is going to get immediate results, but uh, I don't think anybody saw them, you know, leading the pack like this. Uh, Pekka Rene is playing out of his mind. Uh, he has doesn't have a ton of playoff experience, but I, I think when he has played, he's he's looked good in the playoffs. Uh, this 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 is interesting because Nashville nobody had them doing this good. This at this point in the season, uh, I'd love to see them do good. I think they got a, a good thing down there. They got a good fan base. I, I I'd love to see them get a good match. But uh, in the East, yeah, I think the Rangers are going to be back in the conference finals. Uh, as, long, as long as they got a healthy Hank back, um, going out and getting the end was was a big move. Certainly, Goose is their power play that was already pretty good. At, mm-hmm. I think it was 11th in the league even before they got him. So that will only improve with him. And uh, Montreal is going to be tough to beat. Carey Price has been. Now lights out all year. Um, they went out and picked up a few guys too to add add some depth to their roster. Certainly more than the Bruins did. Um, but I, I would, you know, I hate to pick the two obvious obvious teams. But yeah, those are the ones that jump out at you. The Islanders, uh, if they get the the Yaroslav Halak that the Canadians had a few years ago, then you know they, they I think they can beat anybody in the East. They certainly uh, have a dynamic roster. I mean, I love watching Tavares play. Uh, one team that doesn't particularly scare me, and I kind of w- wish the Bruins would would draw them in the first round, uh, would be Tampa Bay. Um, as much as you know, Stamkos can kill you as good as he is. Uh, they got a goalie who's got zero per, uh, playoff games played in the NHL. Ben Bishop. I know he's you know had a good season last year, but he got hurt before the playoffs. He's having a good year this year, but you know he's 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 an unproven commodity in the playoffs and. You know, when you look at all the other teams the Bruins could face, you know, you got Price, you got Lundquist, Halak, Flurry. It's like, geez, man, you you want to take a chance with with the guy who doesn't have any playoff games. Uh, I mean, it could turn out he's going to be great, but I'd rather roll the dice with that than, than with proven commodities like like Price or, or Lundquist. All right, Bri. Uh, listen, thanks a lot. A great job as always. Make sure you get that tire fixed, and uh, when you yeah, do that, uh, I know. We'll, we'll bring in studio here, and we'll talk about maybe. Uh, a first-round playoff series. And and you know what? If they're going to get in, uh, I know that the Canadians are, are one of the tougher teams to beat, but, you know, I think we do get extra jacked up around here when it is Bruins-Montreal. So I, I, oh, guess, no I guess I'm guess i still rooting for that series to happen, even though I, I sort of know where that thing's going to go. Um, you know, I, I, that, that is an exci- that's always an exciting playoff series, Boston-Montreal. So I guess I'm rooting for that. Absolutely. All right, Brad. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dan. Take care, buddy. Anytime. There you have it. Rear Admiral from Boston Sports talking about the NHL trade deadline. And before I get to football real quick, just to clarify something, I'm not calling for Carl Soderberg. 
uh, to be moved or, or uh, to be moved out of town or the, that Peter Shirelli should get rid of him. What I'm telling you is that if they are unable to re-sign Carl Soderberg to a deal that is worthy of what he actually brings to the table, then I think we'll look back at this trade deadline and maybe think a little bit differently as to how the Bruins maybe sold some pieces to this team with regards to maybe just how much other teams were given up uh, to add at the trade deadline. So that, that's all I'm telling you right now. And, and we'll see how it all plays out. But bottom line is this, Peter Shirelli's mindset was, you know, do some things in the offseason. Don't panic now. And I am okay with that knowing that there are things to do in the offseason. But when you get there, um, certainly you're going to have to make those moves. I'm not saying blow the thing up. I'm just saying I'd rather see him make the moves in the offseason than panic and make them now when he's up against the clock for a team this season the rest of the way that I don't think has a shot to win a Stanley Cup. So uh, wrapping up the show here on this Tuesday, March 3rd, 2015. Yesterday was also NFL franchise tag deadline day, 4 o'clock. Here are the guys who were tagged. Linebacker Justin Houston, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Demarius Thomas, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Des Bryant, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. JPP of the New York Giants, the defensive end there. Charles Clay. Tight end for the Miami Dolphins. And, of course, here in New England, Steven Goskowski, kicker for the Patriots. I know they've done it, but look, I, I, I get, look if you want to give them four mil, okay. Um, I thought they were going to go with Devin McCourty. I just thought that was the obvious move. Some guys who weren't tagged, Devin McCourty was one of those who were not tagged. Ndamukong Sue was not tagged. Uh, let's say Julius Thomas, DeMarco Murray, Randall Cobb, Jeremy Macklin, Jerry Hughes, Jordan Cameron. I'm just reading some of the prominent names here on this list that they have on the franchise tag tracker on NFL.com. Uh, but again, here locally, you know, Devin McCourty and even Adam Schefter yesterday, I guess, on a radio station talked about how Darrell Revis was going to test the free agent market. Well, here's the deal. It's it's March 3rd. Free agency doesn't begin until March 10th. I'm not going to overreact to this stuff. Devin McCourty tells Tommy Curran that, you know, he, he told them that there are some teams that want him to play for their team. I'm not going to overreact to this stuff because I didn't think that... Does Devin McCourty, when he says that, when he tells Tommy Curran that there are some other teams that want me to play football for them, so is he mad that the Patriots didn't give him the franchise tag? I don't get it. Because there is still some time for them to come up with a deal, right? As far as I'm concerned, uh, free agency doesn't start till March 10th. I believe I got that right. So there's some time here. And Darrell Revis, look, I don't know if there's a framework in place. I don't know what's going on. We hear the Jets are going to make a run at him. I'm not going to overreact to this stuff because all this stuff is, is what if. The Patriots don't come up with a deal for these guys. Now, if I'm Devin McCourty, I should be ha he should be happy that he didn't get the franchise tag. I would not want the franchise tag. You know, you want a long-term deal in this league, don't you? Or at least you want some more guaranteed money than maybe just a one-year deal would give you, especially if you're a safety and your tag is 9.6 mil. You know, when you look at a cornerback, it's 13 mil. Uh, Darrell Revis, I think the Patriots need to re-sign him, obviously. Obviously. 
Just because we haven't seen it yet, does that mean he's testing free agency? I, I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see. Now, if the Patriots let Darrell Rivas test free agency, they're nuts. But I won't tell them they're nuts. I won't say they're nuts yet because, for all we know, we could wake up tomorrow and the Patriots have a long-term deal with Darrell Rivas. Right? And for all we know, we could wake up in two days and when they're done with that, they could have a deal with Devin McCourty. I have no idea. Let's wait and see how this plays out. Um, you know, we assume that guys who don't get the, the NFL franchise tag, or at least from what I've seen, we assume that these guys are not going to be back with their teams or they're testing the free agent. Like, we look at Nadama Consume, we say, oh, he's, then he's done in Detroit. What? For all we know, they're going to try to come up with some type of long-term deal that I would think Nadama Consume would be happier with than he would the franchise tag. You know, when you can become a free agent, and you can negotiate with a team on a multi-year deal. When you have that opportunity, you don't want to be you don't want a one-year deal slapped on you because all you for all you know, you get hurt that one year. And you don't get a big deal the next year. And you're looking at it saying, "Wow, if if they didn't put the franchise tag on me, I could have had a I could have signed a big deal whether it was with the team I was with that wouldn't give me the franchise tag or a new team." And so just because Ndamukong and Sue wasn't tagged doesn't mean he's gone from Detroit. And just because DeMarco Murray wasn't tagged and Des Bryant was doesn't mean he's gone from Dallas. So let's wait and see how this stuff plays out. According to reports as well, Andre Johnson, wide receiver for the Texans, wants to trade. Well, I don't think he's going to get traded. I think he's just going to get cut. What's he on the books for? 11 mil, I think I read. 32, 33 years old. Yeah, this this smells to me like a this this smells like a cut situation. Like he's gonna get cut, and he'll resign for with with a team for a cheaper deal. I, that's just what it looks like to me. Uh, I mean, how much are you gonna give up in a trade for Andre Johnson, right? I don't I don't know that you're gonna give up too much. So let's wait and see how this all plays out. I see a lot of overreactions to things that either did or didn't happen yesterday before four o'clock at the NFL franchise tag deadline. Let's wait and see uh, how these things play out. Uh, for all we know, all these guys could end up on the same, their, their own teams that didn't franchise them, right? Um, so let's, let's let it play out. Major League Baseball, uh, there is some news, and it is a local story here in Boston because according to reports, yesterday there was a sight of Charlie Kerfeld, special assistant to the Philadelphia Phillies GM, he was at the Red Sox spring training facility. And according to Comcast Sportsnet, Red Sox inside of Sean McAdam, he says it is not common for an executive at Kerfeld's level to be attending other teams' workouts at this stage of camp. And it may mean there's movement on the Cole Hamels front. We've heard Cole Hamels' name uh, in trade rumors. We've heard him linked to the Red Sox potentially. And to see now the special assistant to the Philadelphia Phillies GM walking around at Red Sox spring training facility, then I, this does smell fishy to me. I think Cole Hamels is going to be a member of the Red Sox. We have these conversations about the outfield and the prospects in this organization. If you're Ben Sherrington, it's time to make a move to get that ace. And you have the pieces to do it. I am not someone that sits here that says you have to hold on to Mookie Betts. I am not someone that sits here and says you have to hold on to Jackie Bradley Jr. Or you have to hold on to Blake Swihart. I'm not. If, it can, if you can get Cole Hamels, get Cole Hamels. I'm willing to trade prospects for the short thing any 
day of the week. And Cole Hamels is not a rental. As far as I know, reading his contract, he's not a rental, right? So, um, you know, I think he's got a couple years left under his contract. So let's, uh, you know, if you're the Red Sox, make this move. I, I would absolutely I would absolutely make this move for Cole Hamels. Um, he would be the ace of this staff. They brought in some arms, but they lost their two best pitchers in Lackey and Lester last season. Those guys did not return. And Cole Hamels, yes, is on a contract through he's through 2018 and 2019. There's an option on him. I know he's making a lot of money, but what's money to a team and an organization like the Red Sox in a league that has no salary cap? and a team that needs an ace starting pitcher. I don't care what anybody says. You might be able to squeak, squeak into the playoffs, but you will not win a championship without an ace. Cole Hamels, if you can make him your ace, you do everything you can to do that, if I am the Boston Red Sox. Um, closing out the show here on this Tuesday afternoon, I got to run, but I know this is sort of the downtime in sports, but there's still a lot to talk about. There's still some things happening, and as I mentioned with regards to MLB trades, baseball trades, I expect Cole Hamels to be in a Red Sox uniform. And you know what? I expect him to be their opening day starter. That's how I feel about it. Especially if they got uh, people in the front office walking around at Red Sox spring training facilities and people who have been there many years reporting for this team telling us it is uncommon. So, you know what's not uncommon? Uh, Bringing in an ace to help you win a championship. At least it shouldn't be. It should be a very common thing to do if you think you have a shot. Red Sox, if they bring him in, they certainly will have a shot. I expect Cole Hamels to be in a Red Sox uniform very soon. Special thanks to Brian McGonigal from Boston Sports and BostonSports.com. I am here five days a week broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studios in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Make sure you check out the show at DannyPicard.com every weekday. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard, like me on Facebook, hit me up on social media. Maybe you'll get lucky enough for me to read your tweet on the air on this very podcast. Five days a week. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.